Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here for the next hour, taking you until 8 p.m. Eastern as we wrap up week six of the fantasy football season tonight with the Packers and the 49ers. You can catch all my work, scoutfantasysports.com, as my latest article is out today. Week seven waiver wire pickups. We are almost into week seven. The season just flies by. Of course, the week six prescription notes from Dr. Roto and fantasy football for breakfast. And you could always ask questions on the message boards and forums as well anytime you want. And don't forget, Scout DFS, become a member today. Optimizer was on fire once again this week as some of the picks that stood out were Todd Gurley, Latavius Murray, Jameis Winston, Julio Jones, Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper was the tight end that had spit out at 3,500 on DraftKings. And the Ravens defense. So, again, a lot of the core plays went well. So make sure you become a member of Scout DFS today. Also, they cover NHL DFS and NBA DFS, which kicks off tomorrow. VegasWhispers.com. That's the place you want to go to win some money betting on games. Very sharp people out there and uh, giving it really good picks and information. So become a member today. Uh, and, of course, if you want to get a discount to Scout Fantasy Sports on the season, I'll just send out a promo code RONUS1 to get money off your first month. But we got a lot to get to today as we recap week six and figure out what stood out from a fantasy perspective, some of the surprising things that happened, some of the trends that continued. So I'll break it all down and let you know what to do going forward. And we'll take a look at all the latest news as there were quite a few injuries this week. And we've been fortunate so far, but there were some ones that stood out this weekend. But let's kick it off with some news pertaining to tonight's game. Matt Breda is going to play tonight. So this was not the indication that we got on Friday and Saturday. And then there was some news earlier today saying that he was pushing to play. So Breda has basically, it seemed like his season ended twice this year. And he's been fine. So we haven't gotten any word yet if he will be on a limited snap count. So I know I have Alfred Morris in the lineup tonight because I was expecting Breda to sit. So obviously it does hurt Morris a little bit. But who knows? You know, Breda could go out there and not be 100%. So he's definitely a risky start. And I'm pretty sure many of you assumed he wasn't going to play. And unless you had a backup in this game, maybe went in a different direction. But... Uh, he is out there, apparently made a quick recovery, but he didn't practice much this week. It was on a limited basis. He's dealing with an ankle injury and a shoulder, so he's been banged up, not a big back, so he's going to go out there and give it a shot. Pierre Garçon is active. Also, he's not 100%. He barely practiced this week, so a lot of these 49ers trying to gut it out. 
George Kittle is active. We knew that was the case. He was limited in practice. Um, so, you know, he's done a, a really good job this year as they have uh, looked to get him the football quite a bit with a lot of the injuries. So Kittle is one of the reliable tight ends right now with everything that's going on. Again, my biggest concern for him long term is staying healthy. It's something that we saw was an issue last year as well. On the Packers side of the football, it looked like we were trending in the direction of Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison playing. Now, hopefully you didn't count on that because we heard from Mike McCarthy last week. He basically said, yeah, we're going to kind of wait till the day of the game, see how they are. But earlier report came down on the day that they were unlikely to play. It is official. Both Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison are inactive tonight. They will not play. They're dealing with hamstring injuries, so it probably makes sense to sit it out. We have seen players just come back too early from hamstring injuries, see Leonard Fournette, and what that can do. It could just extend your injury further, and then you miss several games. So they have a bye next week. They probably can get by this game without them tonight. So those receivers for the Packers are out. So that means uh, Valdez Scantling is in a good spot tonight. Uh, maybe you had him and Cobb, him and Allison, and you are waiting to see who to play. Uh, you'll obviously get Valdez Scantling in there. As, uh, he's in a good spot and was very impressive in his last game out. He had a touchdown and almost had a second touchdown. It was originally called a touchdown, and they reviewed it, and they saw that he was down at the one. So he's in a good spot tonight against the 49ers as uh, the Packers are going to need him uh, in this game. Uh, Devontae Adams obviously going to play a big role as well. So those are some of the injuries for tonight in case you're setting your lineup or you are waiting on some of that last-minute news. There you have it, Matt Breda, Pierre Garçon, George Kittle, all active. Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison not playing for the Green Bay Packers tonight. We got a report just a little while ago from uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's Ed Bouchette. He tweeted out that from a Steelers source, the Steelers are not expecting Le'Veon Bell to show up this week despite the reports we heard last week. Now, this doesn't mean that Bell's not going to show up. Remember, Bell has not communicated with the Steelers according to those reports. You know, the Steelers were saying they haven't heard anything. It was just a report out there. Obviously, Bell is losing money by sitting out. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported like I think it was last week, that Bell reported uh, was planning to report during the Week 7 bye. So we'll see. You know, Maybe he comes back tomorrow or later. Again, the Steelers don't play for two weeks, so you're just going to have to wait and see. And this has been a, a really frustrating saga for those that own Le'Veon Bell. And I don't have Bell in any redraft leagues. I did have the number two pick late and decided not to go with Bell. But obviously James Conner's owners are loving this because Conner has been – you know, one of the best fantasy backs this year. And depending on when you drafted, you might have gotten him at a really good value. He had another big game yesterday. He had 111 rushing yards on 19 carries, two rushing touchdowns, four receptions for 18 yards. So look at his numbers here through the first six games of the year. 103 carries for 453 yards, seven rushing touchdowns, 26 receptions for 257 yards. And it's funny because I had mentioned before the year that as good as Le'Veon Bell has been, that he has never had double-digit rushing touchdowns in a season. It has not happened for him. So it's stunning to see that Connor is close to eclipsing the career best for Bell. Bell's career high in rushing touchdowns came last year when he had nine. Connor's got seven in six games. Now, Bell does so much in the passing game. That's the biggest difference. 
You know, Bell had 85 receptions last year, 75 in 2016, and 83 in 2014. So, yeah, there's a big difference there in PPR formats, but Connor is getting the job done. And, you know, there have been some reports that when Bell does return, they'll play both. Interesting to see what happens. But this uh, saga continues here for Le'Veon Bell owners. We don't know when he will return. Very scary injury yesterday with Cooper Cup. If you didn't see it, you know, he got a horse collar tackled, and you could see his left leg bent. You could see the ankle and the knee. It looked bad, and pretty much everyone's reaction was, see ya, Cooper Cup is done for the season. He got carted off, teammates patting him on the helmet. It looked bad, and I have Cooper Cup in a lot of leagues, and I know if you follow ScoutFantasySports.com, you have Cooper Cup because no one had him rated higher than we did. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I haven't checked everywhere, but he was very high on our rankings. Uh, I know Sean Childs definitely boosted him up there. And I, ha- I have Cooper Cup actually in my three highest dollar leagues this year. So I'm counting on him, and he's a big reason why I've had pretty good success in those leagues. So I was just so down. I was like, I can't believe this. Then I saw him out there to start the third quarter. It was mind-boggling. I'm like, this cannot be real. Now, he didn't play much. I think he only played that one series, and then he didn't return. So that was expected. I mean, he did move fine from what I saw. I saw a couple routes. He looked okay. But a report today from ESPN's Adam Schefter says that he has an MCL sprain. So usually that's an injury that, you know, you miss a couple weeks. Now, we did see O.J. Howard return from it, missing only two weeks. And we'll get to that later on. So it is possible. Now, the Rams are playing the 49ers on Sunday night. So, actually, no, they, they, they flexed that game out. That's right. They, it was, originally was the Rams 49ers. They flexed that game several days ago. It is going to be the Bengals Chiefs. So we get to see the Chiefs again, which is great. I mean, they're a fun team to watch. And we'll talk about that game last night with New England, one of the best games we've seen in a while. So they will move into the afternoon. And Cup probably not going to play this week. So, uh, as I wrote last week, and it didn't come to fruition, Josh Reynolds could be in play. Might be someone you pick up. Again, we have four teams on buying week seven. And, obviously, I'll address that in the fab guide tomorrow. That's published uh, Tuesday afternoon. I didn't have Josh Reynolds in the waiver wire write-up for today. That's a, that's a little less. It's about seven. I think we usually we do one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, and a tight end. And then tomorrow we really dig in deep and, and go through them. So I think Reynolds will be in there. And Gerald Everett becomes interesting. You know, we'll see if they throw to the tight end a little bit more. Uh, but, yes, those guys can be in play. So I think as a cup owner, this is probably the best news you can get because I think we were all sitting there watching that play and thinking, man, he is out for this season. And, uh, yeah, it was yesterday was a rough day. I did not have a great week. So uh, that was definitely encouraging. That cup went out there. Now, of course, he didn't do much. I think it was just a 12-yard run, whereas where he got hurt, he had no reception. So, um, you know, hopefully he doesn't miss much time. And, you know, maybe he only misses one game, maybe two games. You'll take that. After watching what happened yesterday, you're just glad that he will play at some point this season. Quincy Anunwa of the Jets, he has a high ankle sprain. That is not good. He's going to definitely miss a couple of games, usually high ankle sprains could be anywhere from two to four weeks. So you know he's not going to play this week. So that's good news for Jermaine Curse because they have been moving. They started to move him to the slot last week, and he had a 
he didn't do much statistically in week five, but we did see him in week six, obviously with Anuma going down, get a lot of targets, 10 targets, nine receptions for 94 yards. They do play the Vikings, so it's a tough matchup. But uh, I think with, again, four teams on bye in these deeper formats, uh, Jermaine Curse is probably sitting out there in a lot of our FFWC leagues. I'm pretty sure he's got to be available. Uh, I think he's available in my online championship. So if he's available in those leagues with 12 teams, 20 roster spots, you know he's out there in a lot of leagues. So he can be considered even maybe Terrell Pryor who did score a touchdown. Uh, and obviously Robbie Anson can get more targets. As Sam Darnold has played well, and they've been throwing the ball a little bit more. A lot of news here on the Falcons and their injuries. Devontae Freeman is expected to miss week seven. So that's pretty early to declare him out. He's dealing with a foot injury. It's just been a nightmare. And if you remember, the Scout Fantasy Sports bust of the year before the year was Devontae Freeman. So if you trust us and follow that advice, Freeman's probably not on your your team this year. I got to say, though, Tevin Coleman has not been good. You know, I... I didn't love Coleman because of where he was being drafted, and I thought people were banking on a Freeman injury for him to come through, and obviously it's worked out. But as good as this offense has been, Coleman has just not produced. He has one 100-yard game. I mean, look at the lines with with Freeman out. Now, against Carolina, the first game with Freeman, again, 16-107, 4-18. Good. Saints, 15 for 33 on the ground, 2 for 14, salvage it with a touchdown. Week 4, Cincinnati, 14 for 51, 3 for 26 through the air. Not good enough. Week five, that's when Freeman returned. He only had seven carries. And then yesterday, when I'm sure a lot of people used him in DFS, I did it, and I was a little worried. He had 10 carries, 35 yards, and Tampa Bay's been good against the run this year. They suck against the pass. And he did score a touchdown on a six-yard reception. As we've seen, more Edo Smith. And Edo Smith wasn't great or efficient yesterday, but Edo Smith has scored in three consecutive weeks, and Edo Smith had more carries than Tevin Coleman yesterday. So they definitely like him. So I think Tevin Coleman's been a disappointment this year. Uh, But, again, he's in line to see a bigger workload going forward while Freeman is out, and Edel Smith will be in the mix as well. Falcons got a couple of injuries at the wide receiver position yesterday as well. Mohamed Sanu, he left with a hip injury, and Calvin Ridley had an ankle injury. Now they're saying it's a bone bruise for Ridley, and the Falcons, at least according to Coach Dan Quinn, is saying that he's hopeful that both will be ready for Week 7. The problem is we won't get an injury report Till Thursday, the Falcons play a week from tonight, Monday night, against the Giants. So, going to have to wait it out here, see what the practice reports are during the week. Uh, Because, again, teams can be optimistic early in the week, but there's swelling and uh, a lot of things that can happen and pop up from now until Monday night's game. So, you're just going to have to wait it out with them. Matt Bryant, the kicker for the Falcons, he's out for Week 7. He hurt his hamstring injury in Sunday's game, and he's had a couple of injuries this year. So uh, Matt Bryan is someone that you can drop in your leagues uh, because he's going to be out. You're going to have to get a different kicker. Uh, Red Chris Thompson did not play for the Redskins yesterday, dealing with knee and rib injuries. The latest is he's day-to-day, so we're just going to have to wait forward the practice reports. You know, Thompson did practice last week, so that would lead you to believe they were just being cautious and he might be able to to play this week against the Cowboys. The news is not as good for Jamison Crowder. He sat on Sunday. He's not going to resume practicing until Friday at the earliest. So that leads you to believe that he will not play this week. So Redskins have been banked up at the wide receiver position. Mari Cooper left Sunday's game with a concussion. 
Uh, they have a bye this week as they played in London against the Seahawks. Also some trade rumors coming out with him. Obviously, it will benefit Cooper to leave. He's one of those players, it seems like, you need to get him out of Oakland. He was so good his first two years, and it's just been a disaster last year and this year. Just so much inconsistency. You just don't know what to do with him. How about Hugh Jackson? We heard this two weeks ago. Hugh Jackson said, we got to get Nick Chubb more carries. Well, why aren't you doing it? I mean, he said this a couple weeks ago. We know how explosive Nick Chubb can be. I mean, we saw it with the two touchdown runs a couple weeks ago. And I was telling people if he was available, pick him up and stash him. And I have him in leagues. I drafted him in like three leagues, and I've been holding on. I think at some point it could happen. I mean, Carlos Hyde is just getting a lot of volume, but he's not doing much with it. You know, 3.35 yards per carry. He's not involved much in the passing game. They're not using Duke Johnson enough. They did use him a little bit more this week, and I had mentioned that on Friday's show with Dr. Otto, how maybe this is a week that they have to get Duke Johnson more involved. I mean, you went out and paid this guy. I mean, the Browns just do a lot of perplexing things, and they have a lot of injuries at wide receiver. You should get Duke Johnson the ball more. He had four catches for 73 yards on five targets, and Nick Chubb needs the ball more. So can't trust anything that Hugh Jackson says, as we have seen, but I would be holding on to Chubb. And maybe, just maybe, he'll finally live up to his word and give Chubb more carries. Lots more to come here. It is Scout Fantasy Sports. Is this Texans running back close to return? I'll let you know next. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here until 8 p.m. Eastern as we wrap up week six tonight. 49ers in Green Bay. And in in case you're just joining us, Matt Breda is active, as is Pierre Garcon and George Kittle. Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison inactive for the Green Bay Packers tonight. You can check out all my work, ScoutFantasySports.com, an early look at the waiver wire for week seven, prescription notes from Dr. Roto, fantasy football for breakfast, and of course, get in all your questions on the message boards and forums. Become a member today, get a discount, enter the promo code RONUS1, and also make sure you join Scout DFS. Another great weekend in fantasy football. The Optimizer spitting out hot fire. It had Jameis Winston, Latavius Murray, Todd Gurley, Austin Hooper, Baltimore Ravens defense among the picks. So uh, check it out. And, again, the best way to use the optimizer is enter your stacks, the players you want, hit optimize, and see if you agree. You know, you might agree, disagree. X the player out and uh, try something different and, uh, you know, enter a bunch of different lineups because we have you covered for NFL, NHL, which is underway, and NBA, which kicks off tomorrow with two games. We are ready into the NBA season. It starts earlier and earlier. 
If you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but are sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can receive a 50% deposit bonus. No more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against. Just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter promo code FNTSY upon sign-up, and choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. Talked about before the break about a possible return of a Texans running back, and I think a lot of people are just getting overly excited about Deontay Foreman. He was eligible to return this week from the pup as he's coming off that Achilles tear. And today, uh, Bill O'Brien, the Texans head coach, said, I don't think he's quite ready. So they had, I think there was some hope he'd be ready for the start of the season. They put him on the pup list, and now he's not good to go. So he's a stash in deeper leagues, but I have concern. And yeah, I put him in the waiver wire like last week or two weeks ago only because. Uh, you know, for those in deeper leagues, and I break it down to 14 to 16 roster spots at 18 to 20. So I know in the high-stakes market where we have 20 roster spots, there's just not a lot out there. And if you get the guy cheap and stash him in the hopes that he comes back, it makes sense. And you have a scenario there with the Texans where, number one, Lamar Miller has not been good. He was banged up, missed a game two weeks ago against Dallas, and he just hasn't been good this year, and he's been trending downward the last couple of years. Miller's averaging 3.7 yards per carry. He doesn't have a rushing touchdown in the year, and he has 10 receptions for 79 yards and a touchdown in five games. He just hasn't been getting the job done. Now, Alfred Blue, we saw he's not much better either. I don't think he's that good. I did pick him up in a league a couple weeks ago and started him. Wound up dropping him for, I think it was Edo Smith, uh, over the weekend. And you know, Blue hasn't been that impressive either, 3.4 yards per carry. Now, he did have a big game against Dallas in the passing game with eight receptions for 73 yards as he played that basically the entire game in overtime. But the problem is the offensive line for the Texans. They just cannot run block at all. And we knew going into the year this was going to be a problem. So I just feel like people are expecting Foreman to return and be the guy. I mean, I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and they were telling me they're running backs, and they included Foreman. I'm like, you're counting on Foreman? Like, yeah, he should be the guy when he returns. No one else is getting it done. I don't think you can count on Foreman at all at this point. We don't know when he's going to return. We don't know how effective he's going to be. And as I mentioned, that offensive line is a problem for the Texans, and you are seeing it right now. Ryan Tannehill did not play on Sunday as he's dealing with a shoulder injury. So he, I think he was on the injury report Thursday, Friday. But it never, they never made it seem like it was a real possibility he would sit and then word started to pop, filter in Sunday morning. And that's why you got to pay attention before the games to get all this news because it affects seasonal and DFS. And we have you covered at Scout Fantasy Sports. And I'm always tweeting out anything that I hear on inactives. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Adam Ronis. So this became realistic that Tannehill was going to sit. And, man, uh, Dolphins didn't miss him at all. I mean, I saw someone won the millionaire maker playing Brock Osweiler and Albert Wilson. I mean, who would have done that? I mean, there's contrarian, and then there's, like, off the ball. So, hey, won someone a lot of money, but I don't think anyone saw that coming against the Chicago Bears defense as uh, Dolphins just 
shredded them. But uh, the big game from last night was Chiefs-Patriots. That was fun. Patriots win 43-30, to and, you know, the people who avoided the Patriots running backs this year, they're looking bad right now, and I mentioned it before the year. Uh, you saw last year, Deion Lewis was a league winner. Uh, Burkhead was good when he played. So, yeah, maybe early in the season there was three guys in the picture with Burkhead, White, and Sony Michelle. But with Burkhead out, it's narrowed down to two. And Sony Michelle's pretty much a must-start every week. I know some people got a little bit concerned. There was a report that he was going to be a game-time decision. But I don't think he ever was truly in danger of missing the game. And I just played him in every league that I had him. So I wasn't worried about it. And he came through 24 for 106 and two touchdowns. Did not catch a pass. And, you know, that's a little concerning, but... You know, they've been giving him big workloads. They trust him, and he's been scoring touchdowns. And this New England offense is one of the better ones in the NFL. So there is always a good chance he scores a touchdown in a given week. And, of course, there will be weeks where he doesn't, and maybe he's game scripted out. But, you know, you can uh, pretty much play him every week. James White had a quiet game for him. Still got the job done. You know, 6 for 39 on the ground and 5 for 53 through the air. So he's still got you double digits in PPR formats. And those two, you're pretty much playing them every week. And they clearly can coexist together. Now, Rob Gronkowski was frustrating yesterday. And I typically do not take Rob Gronkowski. You know, it's just not part of my plan. I really don't like taking tight ends early. Although, so far, if you did this year, it's worked out. And as I've always said throughout the years, with anybody who follows me, is I always have a blueprint. But if value presents itself, I'm going to take it. It's basically capitalizing on other people's mistakes. So I'll give you two examples of that. Travis Kelsey. In the GST league I was in, it was not part of the plan. But it was fourth round, pick nine. And I'm sitting there like, Travis, Kelsey's still here? I'm taking him. I'm not taking Lamar Miller. Oh, why? Just to get an RB2? No, I didn't like Lamar Miller. I don't care if the volume was there. There were concerns with him. So there was no one that I really liked there at the running back or receiver position. So I said, I'm going to take Travis Kelsey. It's 4-9. You know, it's good value here. And... The only question you had about Kelsey going into the year was, would anything change with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback? And it did it. It hasn't. Maybe week one, he was quiet. I think one catch for six yards against the Chargers. But he's been fine since. So I took the value. Now, the mistake I made, and maybe it'll work out by the end of the year, but in Vegas for that beat Adam Ronis online championship, I had pick one. And on the turn, I was like, you know what? I have no Rob Gronkowski. They're shorthanded. Maybe he has a big year where he scores double-digit touchdowns. I don't have any exposure. Let me do something different and take him. I regret that pick. I regret it. I just should have stuck to what I usually do. Is that value there? A little bit. It depends on how you assess Gronk. But it wasn't tremendous value. So I regret it a little bit. And Gronk was quiet last night till the end. He had a big 42-yard gain late. Three for 97 on four targets. So, again, for a tight end. That is a good game because we are looking at the tight end landscape. Although we got outscored by a lot of tight ends yesterday. It was a decent week for tight ends. But Gronkowski, this is not what you wanted. One touchdown in six games came back in week one. And not even heavy volume. He has 26 receptions in six games, man. This is not what you wanted out of Gronkowski. Now, he, again, he has not been awful. 12.7, 13.5. So... It just feels like he's not getting open as much, and obviously he gets a lot of attention. 
look, you just stick with him. But, man, it's been a disappointing start to the season for Gronkowski so far. And you just have to hope that a barrage of touchdowns are coming. Josh Gordon was heavily featured. I saw that Tom Brady posted a picture of, like, Josh Gordon in his on his Instagram. So the one thing you notice from this game is Brady clearly has a trust level in Gordon. I mean, he was targeting him a lot. Um, they didn't seem to have a great report. It seems like they're still working on it. And Josh Gordon did draw a pass interference that put the ball at the one-yard line because he had a defender beat. Five receptions for 42 yards on nine targets. But the good thing is he played a lot of snaps. I think he was second in snaps behind Julian Edelman. So I think it is time now where you can start Gordon. There were a lot of questions that I got involving Gordon this week, and most of them I did not recommend him. I have him in one redraft league, and I had some buys. I did not play him uh, but because I, I didn't think I had, you know, it came down to him or, or Chris Godwin, and I loved Godwin's matchup against Atlanta, Atlanta and Godwin came through, so it worked out. But I think it is time that you can look at Josh Gordon getting him in your lineup. The snaps are there, and Brady clearly shows he has a comfort level with him. On the Kansas City side, you know, Mahomes struggled early on. He missed a lot of throws. And I've always said this. What I like to see with young players is when they go through adversity, how do they handle it? And the Chiefs' offense had nine points in the first half. And instead of shriveling up, he came out and he played better in the second half, leading the Chiefs to 31 points. I mean, this was a game, whoever has the ball last probably is going to win. That was New England. But Mahomes, 352 passing yards, four touchdowns, did throw two picks, didn't have a sack. And, yeah, he makes some risky throws, but that's part of what makes him. He's able to buy time. He's got such a strong arm. And he's going to make some poor decisions. We've already seen it. And sometimes the opponent can't take advantage of it. But, man, it sure is awfully nice to have him on your fantasy team this year. We also saw a lot more Kareem Hunt in the passing game. That's a really good sign. You know, he had six targets, caught five for over 100 yards, just 10 for 80 on the ground as they went pass heavy. And Tyreek Hill, man, wow. Tyreek Hill just going off. And it's funny because I had Tyreek Hill overvalued in early August. Then I watched that preseason game where Mahomes hit Hill for the big play. And it's not overreacting to one play, but I said, man, you know what? Probably wrong about this. I'm going to have to push Tyreek Hill back up. Because he's just a special player that has a ton of speed. Because, you know, I was just looking at, okay, volume's very important in fantasy. We know that. Volume, opportunity. And Tyreek Hill last year had only 105 targets. You know, that's not typically what you want at UI receiver one. Now, he was so efficient, catching 75 for 1183 and seven touchdowns. Could he repeat that? I was like, eh, probably not. You know, and especially with all the weapons they have. Well... I reassessed, and I said, yeah, let me push him back up. He's a wide receiver one, and, man, he's uh, having another big year. He's actually one touchdown away from tying his career high. He had seven receiving touchdowns last year. He has six, and he sent a lot of people to victory. He sent me to a loss last night. I was going against him. I was, I had a lead going into the night. I had Sody Michelle and Patrick Mahomes. Opponent had Tyree Kill and Tom Brady, and uh sent me to a defeat, but Tyree Kill – coming through big time for his fantasy owners with seven for 142 and three touchdowns yesterday. The disappointment here, Sammy Watkins, just two for 18, man. You know, it's just not happening. And I'm kind of glad I stayed away from Sammy Watkins. He's just not going to have a lot of big games. Uh, or he's not going to be consistent. There'll be games here or there. But he's not going to be consistent, man. I mean, they're going to go to Hill, Kelsey, and Kareem Hunt. So he's basically fourth in that pecking order and just not a priority right now. But a fun game. And we get to see the Chiefs again on Sunday night 
against the Bengals. Man, the Titans' offense is an absolute mess right now. This was just a pathetic performance. And I think we thought, okay, here we go. Mariota's turning it around. We know he was dealing with the health injury with the elbow, and that was part of the reasons for his struggles early on. And then he had that game when he touched on a Corey Davis back in week four against Philly. Threw for 344 yards and two touchdowns. You started to feel good. And I picked him up in the league because I had Stafford on by this week. So I said, all right. Then the performance against Buffalo in week five was dreadful. 129 passing yards, an interception. So I said, okay, there's no way I'm starting Mariota against the Ravens. Dropped him. But even this was just pathetic. I don't know if you guys saw this. Mariota took 11 sacks in the game. He completed 10 passes. I mean, that is just absolutely abysmal. Some of the sacks were on him. Yes, the offensive line wasn't good, but there were a couple of instances where you got to get rid of the ball quicker. When you know the pressure is coming and you're getting sacked left and right, you got to get rid of the ball. And Mariota didn't do it. It just sunk this Titans offense as they were shut out. The running game could not get anything going, and this was the problem with Derrick Henry. It's why I did not like him before the year was he's very touchdown dependent. I didn't think he'd be involved in the pass game. Now, Deion Lewis hasn't done much better lately just because of this offense being so bad. And obviously, it's taken a toll on Corey Davis. Corey Davis is a very talented receiver. We saw his big breakout game when he had that winning touchdown. Now, he had a tough matchup against Jacksonville, and this was another tough matchup. And, you know, he he got shut down, one for 24 and four targets. So I'd stay patient with Corey Davis. I think you just have to hope that this offense can turn it around. But, man, it looks awful, and I'm just really not confident pretty much in anyone on this team right now. Uh, Corey Davis is really the only one that I want. You know, I thought Taiwan Taylor would get going, but this offense just can't produce anything right now. It just looks absolutely pathetic. Alex Collins was probably on the bench for many people. He had a pretty good game, or at least volume-wise. He had 19 carries, 54 yards. He did score two touchdowns. And basically, Buck Allen was barely involved. Buck Allen had one carry on the game, and three receptions for 18 yards. We saw a lot more Gus Edwards, who had 10 for 42. Most of that came in the second half, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it could have been just uh, resting some guys late, but it's something to keep an eye on. And uh, Michael Crabtree had a big game. You know, he was very critical of himself two weeks ago, dropping a lot of passes. And uh, Crabtree, nine targets, six for 93 and a touchdown. And John Brown, the disappointment, two for 28, only three targets. And I like John Brown this past week for DFS and he did not come through, so it was disappointing there. Uh, the Bears were a very interesting team this weekend. Jordan Howard, man, not getting it done. Now, he did fumble, but so did Tariq Cohen. But I think what we're seeing here is more Tariq Cohen involved in this offense. And we didn't really see it the first three weeks. We saw it in week four, then they had the bye. But we're seeing a lot of Tariq Cohen now. Howard did get some big uh, carries in overtime, but he was 14 for 69. Did not catch a pass. Remember... Matt Nagy was talking about Howard becoming a big part of the passing game this year. And we saw him getting targets early on, but we haven't seen it lately. So it definitely lowers the floor for Howard. And, you know, you you hold on to him. But he has not recorded a catch now in the last two games. He had five in week one. So he's gone from five, three to two to none. So that means he's very touchdown dependent and he has one touchdown on the season. In fact, Tariq Cohen over the last two games has 295 yards compared to 94 for Jordan Howard. So Howard will have these good games, but you're just not going to know when. And Cohen hasn't been involved in this offense. You know, he's a, a weapon that adds a different dimension 
to this team, as does Taylor Gabriel. Gabriel is second on this team on targets. He had five more, catching all of them for 110 yards. So he's going to be in play as this Bears offense keeps getting better. Mitch Trubisky had a pretty good game, but he still made a lot of bad decisions. And he threw a bad pick. Did have three touchdowns, though, and 316 yards. So you could use him in the right matchup. A lot more to get to as we recap week six. What happened with the Dolphins and Kenyon Drake? I'll let you know next. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back here at a Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here until 8 p.m. Eastern, of course. Check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. An early look at the waiver wire article by me, prescription notes from Dr. Roto, and you could ask your questions on the message board and forums anytime. Enter the promo code Ronis1 to get a discount. When you become a member and check out the Scout DFS as well. That's if you want to win money because the optimizer was fire this past week. It had Jameis Winston, Ty Gurley, Austin Hooper, Baltimore Ravens defense, which had 100 sacks and a shutout. So really good things being spit out. Powered by the RDA projections. So make sure you become a member today and you'll get your money back. It might take, you know, a week, two weeks. You're going to win. So you'll get that money back. So it's an investment that makes sense. So make sure you check it out right now. ScoutDFS.com. BetDSI is celebrating 20 years as the industry's biggest and safest betting site. They have great customer service and fast, easy payments of winnings. You can play virtually every sport at BetDSI with hundreds of wagering options, including live in-game wagering on all major sporting events where you can make your play at any time during the game. BetDSI is now offering up to a $1,000 bonus on your first deposit if you use promo code FNTSY. That's BetDSI.com, promo code FNTSY. So head on over to BetDSI and start winning today. Yesterday, the Dolphins, uh, the running back situation, it seems like it's more Frank Gore. And we've kind of been seeing that over the last couple weeks. So he got more of the touches in this game as Kenyon Drake's become more of a pass catcher back, which is fine in PPR leagues. Uh and in this game, too, uh, Kenyon Drake had a critical fumble in overtime. He fumbled at the one as he was about to score. And you could see him. He was dejected. Well, Frank Gore was, I don't know, it looked like he was either tired or, or got banged up in overtime. So after that, you know, everyone's like, oh, that's it. Drake's done. He's done. You're not going to see him again. But he was there in overtime. Uh, we didn't see Gore. Uh, Drake only 13 for 57 on the ground. Did have four receptions for 21 yards, and he had six targets. So that's a good sign as he was third on the team of targets. And we saw he had a big game a couple weeks ago. But Frank Gore does have value. You know, he they are using him. He had 15 for 101 on the ground and one catch for 18 yards. Still looks pretty good. So he'll still be in the mix. Brock Osweiler, 380. Three touchdowns and two bigs. But the big story here, Albert Wilson. And Wilson is a guy I like. As a late-round flyer, like I took him out in Vegas in that Vegas draft, I think round 
16, 15. And I cut him like two weeks ago. And, of course, he has the big game yesterday. Now, you can't count on him every week. The problem with the Dolphins right now is they are spreading the ball around a lot. They're just not focusing on one receiver. Now, I liked Kenny Stills the most going into the year, but, man, he's been quiet. And coming into the week, Kenyon Drake led this team in targets. Okay? That goes to show you where they spread it around. But Albert Wilson now at least six targets in three straight games. Six for 155 and two touchdowns. He does have four touchdowns in the year. The thing you like about Wilson is he breaks a lot of tackles. Now, it was a really future job by the uh, Bears defense on that 75-yard touchdown. I mean, that was just a brutal job of tackling. So Wilson, to me, is deeper formats, 20 roster spots. Maybe with the bye weeks and the right matchup, you can use them. But, again, I think this is going to be – a headache. Devontae Parker did play, got one target. They clearly don't like him, and they want to get rid of him. So you have to take that into consideration with those Dolphins receivers that they just spread it around, and they play at the, one of the slowest paces in the NFL coming into the game, although uh, ran a lot more plays here with uh, Osweiler, quarterback, as he attempted 44 passes, and the game did go to overtime. So we also have to see what the Dolphins are going to do at the quarterback position. Will uh, Tannehill be able to come back and play in Week 7. We still don't know that just yet. Some of the other things that stood out is, you know, the distribution at running back for the Seahawks. You know, this looked like it was going to be a big Chris Carson game. You know, he came back after missing a week and got a big workload. Now, part of it was the Seahawks built a big lead, but, you know, if you were using Carson – in DFS, maybe in a cash game, 4,400 on DK, you know, he did not deliver. Now, he did have a touchdown call back uh, on a penalty, a one-yard run, so that could have made his day better. But he was 14 for 59 on the ground, did not catch a pass, but it was actually Rashard Penny who was second, 9 for 43 and 2 for 27 for Penny. But a lot of that came in the second half when the game was pretty much out of hand. Uh, they would, the Seahawks were just never challenging this game. They were up 17 nothing at the half, 20 to nothing after three. So this could have been a case of just preserving Mike Davis and maybe getting a, sh- a look at Penny because Penny didn't play a lot of snaps. Basically, anytime Penny was on the field, they gave him a, a touch. Davis only had six for 21, and you know there might have been some people that used Davis this week. Russell Wilson once again did much two for 222 through the air and three touchdowns. He did run though. Six carries, 20 yards, so that's a pretty good sign because I've been talking about him. He's been on the injury report with a hamstring injury, and he hasn't been running. So that's a good sign. And, man, I I think it was last week. Someone's like, should I drop Doug Baldwin? I'm like, no. Like, yes, there were concerns about Baldwin because the problem is the Seattle offense right now, they want to run the football. It is clear what they want to do. This is not Russell Wilson going back to pass 35, 40 times. They want to run the ball a ton, and they were able to do it very well. Uh, the last couple weeks, they had 37 attempts in this game on the ground and just 23 passing attempts. So that's going to hurt any wide receiver. But Doug Baldwin looks fine. You know, I mentioned in week five, he was basically on the field for 85, 90% of the snaps. Yes, he only had one target, but they made an effort to get him the ball in this game. He was getting open, and he looks fine. And he had six catches, 91 yards on eight targets. So do not worry about Doug Baldwin right now. You will have to worry about consistency if the Seahawks are able to impose their will on teams, but I don't think they're going to be able to do that every week. Tyler Lockett did score another touchdown, uh, but 
not a lot of volume here. Just four targets, three for 13, and a touchdown as the Seahawks headed to buy. Raiders are just a disaster. Never been a big fan of Derek Carr. You see why? I mean, six sacks, 142 yards just looks very indecisive out there. And so much for the Marshawn Lynch revenge game. Just never got going. I mean, he was taken out of this game early with the Raiders playing from behind. That means you see a lot of Jalen Richard, and he led the team with seven receptions for 48 yards. As we mentioned, uh, Amari Cooper going down in this game with that concussion, and uh, they have a bye for the upcoming week. So another thing that stood out was the Colts in the running back situation. Marlon Mack made his return. Naeem Hines has been a big part of this offense over the last few weeks, especially in the passing game. And I thought even with Mack coming back, that might continue. T.Y. Hilton was out again. Jack Doyle was out. This is a team that's had to put the ball in the air a lot. Once again, Andrew Luck attempted 43 more passes. But it's clear, based on the usage, they want Marlon Mack to be the guy in the backfield. And he looked pretty good, considering you know he missed some time with a hamstring injury. Now, he did have a drop pass that resulted in an interception and a Jets defensive touchdown, but they went right back to him. And Mack, obviously, as they were playing from behind, didn't get heavy volume, but 12 for 89 on the ground, that's good. And uh, he did catch one pass for four yards, but we saw a lot less of Naeem Hines. Three carries for 14 yards through the air, just two for 21. So uh, Robert Turbin was in this game. He did get hurt with a shoulder injury. We didn't see Jordan Wilkins get any touches. So Marlon Mack, it appears, looks to be the guy for the Colts in that backfield going forward. Chester Rogers, who I liked in DFS and wrote him up as a deep sleeper, picked him up in a couple leagues a couple weeks ago. Got him in a, a lineup, and he salvaged his day late with less than two minutes left. He scored a touchdown, so he did come through. Four for 55 and a touchdown. That's now three consecutive games with double-digit targets. So as long as uh, T.Y. Hilton is out, uh, he'll continue to get targets. Isaiah Crowell was a game-time decision. He played just 13 for 42 receptions for 12 yards. And Bilal Powell getting his touches, but uh, not any receptions. And, again, that's game flow because the Jets were – playing from ahead the entire time, so that means they don't need to throw as much. Uh, one of the reasons why you have to pay attention every Sunday morning is what happened with the Vikings. You know, the indication was that Dalvin Cook was going to play, and we talked about it last week. I was saying, what are the Vikings doing? Players are very optimistic when it comes to injuries. If you read the comments from Dalvin Cook last week, that was not a confident player. That was someone who knew that hamstring was on 100%, and you cannot have... A similar Leonard Fournette scenario with Dalvin Cook, who's already coming up for 20 ACL. Play it safe. Don't play him. Unfortunately, we got that word Sunday morning that Dalvin Cook was not going to play. And one of the ideal scenarios are running back against Arizona. Arizona's been dreadful against the run. You had to fire up Latavius Murray. He came through. And maybe some people had some trepidation because of a couple weeks ago. But... 24 for 155 on the ground and a touchdown for Latavius Murray, who also had one catch for three yards. So if Cook is out, you're going to put in Murray in your lineup. But I know it didn't work out against Buffalo several weeks back when they just got blown out. But you had to figure that was not going to happen again at home against Arizona. It did it, and Murray came through. Adam Thielen has just been a league winner this year. And I have him in one league. And, man, it's it's fun to have that guy because Thielen is just tearing it up right now. We spoke about it in the DFS. I was saying 
he might not be a heavily owned this past weekend. He was 8,500 on DraftKings. I think the second most expensive receiver. People are looking at Julio Jones at 7,900. Mike Evans at 8,100. I'm like, play Thielen. I mean, what more do you need to see? I mean, just keep playing him until he disappoints you because the volume is there. It is now every game with at least 10 targets. He had 15 yesterday. He scored a touchdown in four of six games. I think he only had four the entire year last year. So he's already matched that. And he just gives you a high floor every single week. I mean, the worst game he's had in PPR formats this year is 16. And that came in week one. So you're getting a high floor every week. And you know where the ball's going for Minnesota. It's Thielen, it's Diggs, and a little Rudolph. Now, we didn't see Diggs have a big game in this one. Patrick Peterson covered him quite a bit. Five targets for Diggs, three for 33. But don't worry about it. But it's pretty much Diggs and Thielen who are going to get, like, you know, 10 to 12 targets each per game. And they'll sprinkle in Rudolph. They still throw to Laquan Treadwell a little bit too much. But you can't just go to three guys. But that's what you like about the, the Vikings scenario right now. David Johnson, man, he is getting by with those touchdowns. It's still not good for David Johnson, and he did score a touchdown once again this week. Now, he does have a great matchup Thursday night against the Broncos. The Broncos have allowed consecutive games of 200-yard rushers, as Todd Gurley got them yesterday after Isaiah Crowell did. So if you have David Johnson, you're pretty much playing him every week anyway. But this is not as good as it looks. He has six touchdowns on the season. He has five rushing and one through the air. And, you know, will that continue with this offense? Probably not. I mean, they just don't move the ball much, and they're another team that's playing at a very slow pace and not running a lot of plays. So at least Johnson did get in the end zone, but need more involvement in the passing game. Five targets, two for 15. I mean, come on, guys. Watch what he did two years ago and do the same thing. Get him involved. It's not that difficult. Larry Fitzgerald, one of his better games, but five for 39. Can't start this guy. Eight targets. I mean, Christian Kirk is the preferred guy for Josh Rosen right now. He had seven targets. He was six for 77, and at least Ricky Seals-Jones showed some life. Five for 69. As we mentioned on the uh, Friday show, yeah, people will bail on him after he had a zero the week before, but uh, didn't use him in DFS because there were better tight ends. And uh, But if you did use Seals-Jones, it wasn't terrible. But, you know, obviously Austin Hooper was a better play. Cameron Brait did score a touchdown, but it was only catch of the game. And I said... If O.J. Howard was active, Cameron Brake becomes a risky play, and we did see O.J. Howard surprisingly return, and Howard came through. So Howard's the preferred tight end option there. It just really hurts Brake as much as we see that chemistry with um, Jameis Winston and him. It's just uh, it's too risky right now. The Browns. Uh, I know I mentioned Baker Mayfield as someone to look to in DFS if you weren't playing Matt Ryan, Winston, or some of those guys. But I did use a lineup with them, and it was a disappointment, man. There's a couple of things here that were a problem. Number one, you know, I had wrote that the Chargers only had eight sacks going into the game, and uh, they got a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield in this game. So I think the Chargers defense is getting better. I know there's still no Joey Bosa, but this is a team that a lot of people thought had one of the better defensive units, and they have not played like it. Mayfield was sacked five times. He did hurt his ankle in this game as he slid on the first down marker, but all reports indicate he's fine and he'll be good to go next week. But, man, the lack of weapons at wide receiver are a problem right now for Baker Mayfield. Now, next week, Tampa Bay. You know you fire everyone up against Tampa Bay as they have just been a sieve against the pass. But 
you know, they they just have too many injuries at wide receiver right now. We talked about Antonio Callaway was going to be force-fed the ball because Rashard Higgins was out, Derek Willie was out. So they really have no one. So as much as they wanted to scale back Callaway because he was making mistakes and dropping passes, they had no choice. But, man, 10 targets for Callaway, two catches, nine yards. <laughs> I mean, we, we want volume in fantasy, right? We love it. Opportunity. But at some point, efficiency comes into play. It's not there right now for Callaway, but he does have another good matchup, so people will be off him. I might go back to him next week. We'll see. Jarvis Landry, what happened? I know he's been a little bit banged up. You wonder if he's playing through injury, but he has not had that connection with Mayfield. Two catches, 11 yards on nine targets. The bright spot, and I wrote about him. I do a stock watch every Wednesday. I wrote about this like three weeks ago. I think it was right after Baker took over. Njoku is the buy right now. Like People are going to tell you to buy Njoku now. What good does that do? Like, Njoku's already had, like, several good games. So, how are you going to buy on David Njoku right now? People are watching. You had to do it after week three. That was the time to buy. You can't buy now. Guys had 23 targets over the last two weeks at a tight end position for a team that's decimated a wide receiver. No one's selling Njoku right now. So, you needed to buy... After week three, once Baker Mayfield took over, as he's got thirty, tar- he's got uh, thirty targets since then over three games, double digit points in each one, and finally found the end zone yesterday. And I mentioned on Friday show, yes, the matchup was tough against the Chargers, and he was like in the price range of break, so no one would play him, and that's why you play him. And he came through with uh, nineteen and a half in a PPR, so that was the time. And let's see if Duke Johnson can get more involved in the offense. We saw it yesterday. It was Damian Ratley who had a big game, 6 for 82 with eight targets. So he could be somewhat in deeper leagues. As for the Chargers, Melvin Gordon tearing it up again. Three more touchdowns. He's a stud. And I'm not buying Tyrell Williams. They spread the ball around so much. It hurt Mike Williams. He had a tough matchup this week. And Tyrell, three for 118, two touchdowns, but only four targets. So Chargers in this game didn't need to do much passing-wise. Rivers only completed 11 passes in this one as they were in control and ran the ball quite a bit. So they just spread it around too much uh, among those guys there in that offense. That wraps it up here, but make sure you check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. I'll have my Week 7 Fab Guide up tomorrow, all detailed of what players to pick up, and you can check out Scout DFS as well. NBA kicks off tomorrow with two games, so make sure you join now because the NBA Optimizer was money last year. It was really good, and it updates as we get closer to game time with all the latest injury news. I'll be back Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.